The Sports Dance. Hey everyone, and welcome to The Sports Dance. I am your host, Greg. And let me just say, in the words of the great Steve Ballmer, owner of the Clippers, just one thing to all of you today. I say I'm just fired up to be here today. It's pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. Woo! It's true. I am fired up to be here today. We have the MLB trade deadline, which everybody thought was going to be a bust. Turned out to be kind of good, kind of bad, a little bit weird. We're going to get into that in a second, but you know, first off, let me just get into, you know, how's everything going, Greg? Well, everything's good, guys. Everything's been great. Enjoying my summer, enjoying my time going to the beach, hanging out with friends, barbecues, all that. But you know what I smell? A little bit of crisp in the air. There's a little crisp, just a small one, which means football season is on its way. And it's a great time to be alive, people. But before we get into football, which we will, because now we can, because whether or not you knew it, there was a football game last night. That is right, the Hall of Fame game was played last night. But before any of that, like I said, I'm doing good. Hopefully you're doing good. Hopefully everybody else in the world is doing good. But first, let's talk about the MLB trade deadline, because honestly, it did not look like it was going to be something that any of us were interested in. And then out of nowhere, it just picked up. Leading up to it, you had some small moves. You had Andrew Kashner, as we talked about, to the Red Sox a few weeks ago. Edwin Encarnacion. Like, you had some minor pieces moving here and there. No big name had moved yet. Then it happened. The Mets. At a whole team. The Mets made the first move with Marcus Stroman. And then it just kind of teetered on, would anything else happen? And it all did. So let's go over that Mets move. Let's go over some other teams' moves because there was a lot of a lot of small moves and one big move that made one team in the American League jump up to American League favorites and World Series favorites. Like, yeah, that's right. Little audio effects for you guys. That's I, I just bring it all for all of you. So let's get into it. Winners and losers. You know how it's going to work. We're going to do some winners. We're going to do some losers. And we're going to do some questionable calls. Because honestly, there is at least two of them. And they make zero sense to me and probably to the rest of you. But first, let's start with the biggest winner of all the teams in Major League Baseball. The team that jumped from not just favorites to win the AL, but World Series co-favorites. And that would be the Houston Astros. Now, the reason the Astros all of a sudden are co-favorites to win the World Series is because they landed Zach Greinke. What? Yeah, that's Zach Greinke. The one that's been a phenomenal pitcher all his career, doesn't like big markets. Basically, apparently yesterday said no to the Yankees, like I won't get traded there. And the Astros made it work. Not only did the Astros make it work, They didn't even have to give up major pieces to make it work. They gave up four prospects, none of which is their number one prospect. Tulane Zach Greinke, who has two years left on his contract. 
So that's not just one year of Granky. This isn't a short-term rental. This is this year and next year. Think about how good. How good is that Houston rotation now? Do you want some numbers? Oh, I think you want some num. You want some. I I can tell you want some numbers. So just to put it in perspective, of the three main starters for the Astros with Verlander, Garrett Cole, and Zach Greinke, this season alone in 69 starts. Here are some fun facts: they're 36 and 13 combined. They have a 2.85 ERA, a .92 WHIP. They average 11 strikeouts per nine innings, six walks per nine innings, which, you know, isn't, or no, sorry, six strikeouts to every walk. Pretty good. Their batting batting average against them, under 200 at 197. They have a 13.3 war, war, not war, war. Those three guys give you 13 more wins above replacement. Like, yet you're just not going to. Going into the postseason, how are you going to defend? Not even defend. How are you going to offensively get anything going against a game one, two, and three starter who all could win a Cy Young Award? Any given year. Any given year, one of those guys could be your Cy Young Award winner. Like, the fact that this move was made, and it wasn't just their only move. They picked up a few relief pitchers also to booster their bullpen. Come on, Houston. Like, who, who is this Houston team wheeling and dealing over these past few years, making runs at World Series, winning World Series? Like, do you remember when they used to be like a 120-loss team? Do you remember? I remember. It was not long ago. It was like six, seven years ago. And now, every single year, it's who's going to win? The Astros, Yankees, Red Sox out of the American League. Like, those are the teams everybody's talking about right now. It used to be Yankees, Red Sox. Because honestly, they were the two biggest spending teams. They still kind of are. But the Astros wheel and deal, make all these moves, get guys that are superstars, and don't deplete their farm system. Yeah, their farm system is not great. They have used a lot of their pieces, but they haven't given away their top pieces. And that's saying a lot. I mean, a lot of front offices are afraid of making these big moves that hopefully don't come into a mistake, that they deal away a top prospect, they deal away this guy, that guy, and it comes back to bite them. But at the same time, you're dealing these guys away for known commodities. A Verlander they did. Garrett Cole, now Granke. Like, you just gave your rotation a third ace. So Houston, by far by far ran away with being the winner of this year's trade deadline because not only did they do that, one of the biggest losers didn't do anything. And we're actually going to combine it. It's going to be a threefold. The Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Dodgers. None of them. Not one. Two of them are World Series favorites along with the Astros. Two of them. The Dodgers and Yankees needed to booster their bullpen or their starting rotation. They did neither. Those teams did zero. Zilch. Nada. So it made this even worse with the Astros doing it because, one, it hit 4 o'clock. 
every single fan of those teams kind of breathed a sigh of disdain and relief because they were basically like, okay, here's the deal. We didn't do anything, but neither did team X, Y, and Z. Well, one of those teams in X, Y, and Z had a trade made, slid it under in the four o'clock deadline, didn't announce it until like 25 minutes after the deadline. So you have all these teams on the Yankee fans, you have Red Sox fans, you have Dodgers fans being like, you know what? We didn't do anything to improve ourselves, but neither did any of the other top teams. Wrong. You were wrong. The Astros just it blew everybody out of the water. So the Yankees and Dodgers and Red Sox doing zero to improve is going to be huge because, you know, they're big market teams for one, so they have the pressure of the fan bases weighing down on them. Two, the Yankees made a move back in June for Edwin Encarnacion. Granted, great bat to have in your lineup. It was an unnecessary bat to have in your lineup. You already had a bunch of savages as we've gone over. Granted, they didn't look so savage against the Red Sox this weekend at Fenway. They looked more like pussycats. But that's besides the point. They gave up 40-something runs in four games. Just 11 runs a game. Just saying. That right there shows you. They needed starting pitching. Instead, what did they do? In June, they got another hitter. They could have used what they used to get Encarnacion. They could have used their farm system. They needed to go out and get a guy. Not Grindkey because he wasn't going to come. He had made it very clear he does not like big market teams. Go get a Mad Bum. Go get, you know, uh, Robbie Ray. Go get somebody who can go into your rotation and every fifth day lock it down to an extent, giving up only three to four runs, give you some quality starts because right now it's not pretty, Yankee fans. It is not pretty at all. As I said, you guys got shellacked in Boston this weekend. And then even against the Diamondbacks, who are not that great of an offensive team, you're giving up five, six, seven runs a game. So your starting pitching is clearly an issue. I know you're going to get Severino back, but he's probably going into your bullpen at this point because he's not going to get the stamina built up to be a starter at this point in the season. And you're definitely not going to throw him out there in the postseason unsure of what he's going to do. You're just not. It's not going to be how that happens. And the Dodgers, on the other hand, the Dodgers needed to go out and get a seventh inning guy. They have Kensley Jansen in the ninth. They know they have a shutdown closer. What they don't have is guys to get them to him. They have starting pitching, but their starting pitching can't be relied upon, especially in the postseason with how these teams manage their bullpens and rotations now in the postseason to get seven or eight innings out of your starters. Granted, I know you have guys like Kershaw and Bueller, fantastic pitchers, but you needed to go and make a move and get some sort of relief help, and you didn't. Will that be a downfall for you? Who knows? You know what's going to be a downfall for? The Red Sox. The Red Sox also did not go out. Everybody knew it. They need to go out and get a relief pitcher. They need to go out and get a closer. Did they? No. They've blown 18 games this year. 18 games. Think about this. 
they win half those games. Say they don't blow half them. Say they've only given up nine blown games. They're in the thick of the AL East hunt. They're by far and away the lead on the wild card. And what did Dombrowski do? Deal and Dave looked at the market. Didn't even get rumors mentioned. Like the fact the Red Sox, big market team, always looking to make deals, always looking to try to improve. Spent $240 million on the roster this year. Wasn't even mentioned in rumors. Like, rumor didn't even have it. Like, you can't even play Adele or whatever. The, you know, rumor has it. Like, couldn't even do that. Couldn't even play that because there was no rumors to be had in Boston. None. Not even a whisper. Why? Because Dombrowski basically said, you know, we want to compete, but the guys that we have need to set, step it up and play to their ability. Okay, Dave. Well, you've seen what their ability is, and it's not very good. I mean, you threw Nathan Eovaldi into the rota- not into the rotation, into the bullpen, hoping maybe he can become your closer or setup guy like you're throwing rotational starting pitchers who were hurt into the bullpen, hoping. Praying for the best. It makes no sense. But enough about the Red Sox and what they didn't do at the trade deadline. A team that did do something that I know one fan of 12 on Sports Radio and a member of the Craft Brood Sports team, Scott, would be thrilled about is the moves the Braves made for their relief pitching. Now the Braves, before these deals, before everything, were abysmal. Since July 1st, they had a 5.63 ERA, which was 27th. Their whip was 1.65, which was 29th. They only struck out 1.6 batters to every walk they gave up. And their opponent's OPS was 838, which, as you could tell, also at the bottom of the league. So they were terrible. They are desperate for relief help. Just like the Red Sox, the Dodgers, just like all these other teams. But you know what the Braves did? Yeah, that's right. They went out and got help. They got relief help because they know they needed it for the postseason, for the postseason push. They were smart about it. They got three relief pitchers. They picked up Chris Martin, Shane Green, and Mark Melanchin. I do not know if I said that last name right. I feel like I say his last name different every single time. You would think I'd remember when I watched him on the Red Sox. I don't. Melanchin, like any of those. But they went out and got three guys who could be your closer any given night. Like, that's just great management, but you have a 7, 8, and 9 guy. And you can put them out in any order that you want. Like, you don't just need to set one guy up as your closer. All three of them could be your closer if you wanted to. Like, you could, you could be closing games out after the sixth inning. Because these three guys have all done it before, and they've all done it well. And they're all still doing pretty well this year. Like, not one of them, you could go put them in a game and go, I'm a little bit worried. I mean, granted, relief pitchers have their off nights. Everybody does. But you just added three reliable arms to your pen. Not just one, which teams were hoping for, like the Dodgers and Red Sox. Three. So good job, Braves. You really solidified yourself at the top of the NL East. This is going to keep you up there. 
because you're not going to be worrying about blown saves or anything like that. So good for you. Congrats. Other people that won, San Francisco Giant fans who loved Madison Bumgarner because nobody got him. I mean, I don't know what the asking price was. The Giants have like a 5% chance to make the postseason, so not really sure why they held on to him outside of, you know, maybe just nostalgia reasons. Or I guess nobody gave him exactly what they were hoping for. You would think the Yankees at the end would have just thrown whatever they could to get somebody. But they didn't. And, you know, good for them. They get to keep their guy, at least for now. And then let's move on to the two head-scratching moves of this whole trade deadline. The moves that were made, the biggest moves, I would say, made before the Grindkey trade and all that came out. First, we have Marcus Stroman going to the Mets. Now I get it. Stroman at least has another year on his contract, but this means like one of two things. Either the Mets legitimately think they have a chance to make the postseason this year as a wildcard team, which is kind of crazy. I think it's like 15%, so there is that chance. If they play well, they have that chance. But I guess the more logical reason would be get him for this year to hopefully push for the NL East title in the playoffs next year. The Mets are signaling to their fans with this move, not getting rid of Syndergaard, not getting rid of Zach Wheeler, who's going to be a free agent. We're making a push now, and maybe we'll get in. But we're really going to make a push next year, which means they need to go get some bullpen help and some hitters. I don't know if the Wilpons are big 12-ounce sports radio listeners, but if you are, you need to get hitters. It's a big part of baseball. I don't know if you know this. And relief pitchers, because you got the starters. You got the guys that can get you through six innings with good, good stuff. Like, if Syndergaard's healthy, if DeGrom's healthy, if Stroman's healthy, you have one of the best three starting pitching, like, front three end in baseball. Like, top five. I would give it if they're all healthy and pitching well. Nothing's beating Houston right now, but this, this group would be top five. So if you can get everything else involved on a baseball team that can be, you know, doing well and at a high quality, you guys might actually have a chance in New York to be the team in New York. Granted, not this year. You're definitely not going to be like the Yankees. But who knows? Maybe next year. Maybe the Subway Series won't seem like such a pushover. But that move was just weird in general. Because the rumors were Yankees, Dodgers, like all these, all the big names, the Astros, the Twins, every contending team was linked to Stroman. And then the Mets, the Mets, out of all teams, are the ones that get them. I mean, Mets, you, you keep it interesting. That is at least the least you could say about it. Because then you got rid of Jason Vargas. So, like, you keep it interesting. You keep your fans on your toes. They never know what you're going to do. Are we trying? Are we not trying? Who knows? But the bigger head-scratching move to me out of all these trade deadline deals is the Trevor Bauer deal. Now, yes, 
Cleveland got some good pieces out of it, the main one being Yasiel Puig. But it makes no sense to me. Like, he is, I get he threw a ball from the pitching mound to center field, which is just plain impressive. I get it might not be the best look, but it was impressive. Got to give him that. But it just made no sense. Like, zero. None. I don't understand why you do it. Like, why? What was, I get you need to, if if that's the case, I might be holding on to him. I might get a haul next year. If I'm not in contention, hold Bauer up, highest bidder wins. Because starting pitching this year was weak. The market was weak, and Bauer was a rose among them. And you gave him up for Puig. I mean, yeah, cool. You get some outfield help. You got some other pieces. Bauer gets to be in Cincinnati for another year after this year. Just seemed like a weird move, though. Just didn't seem like a like a smart one. I mean, there's no other way to say that. I was trying to think of a better word, but it just wasn't a smart move in my book. You have one of the best pitchers in the league. Yeah, he has a temper. Who knows? Maybe the market, you know, stiffened up a little bit after that little outburst. But I can't imagine a team wasn't going to be willing to at least deal with it for at least this push of the season. And then if you have to, trade him in the offseason. You can get people to go after him or you keep him. And if you're not in contention next year, you trade him at the deadline next year and get prospects and reload. The Reds aren't making a push anytime soon, at least not to my knowledge. They're not a team that you're like, you know what? If they just get one good pitcher, they're going to get the NL Central title. No, because you're still going to get the past the Brewers and the Cubs, and you're just not going to do it. And who knows? The Cardinals every once in a while now still are pretty good. But it just was a, it's a baffling move. The funniest thing is that the Indians traded a hothead for a hothead. I mean, Puig has gotten a brawl 20 minutes after he was traded. So you know he's a team player. You can give him that. Can't take that away. He threw some haymakers in there. And, I mean, with these sleeveless jerseys that the Reds do sometimes, you know it was awesome to watch. But, I mean, Trevor Bauer, good. I guess you get out of one small market team to go to another small market team. Maybe there's better drone space in Cincinnati for you to fly. Who knows? Just a weird, weird moves made by the Mets and the Reds, two teams that don't really have a chance this year, and maybe they're projecting for next year. Who knows? It's just odd moves to make at the MLB trade deadline. I can't imagine that there was no contending team that couldn't throw in one more guy or some extra cash to get one of those names. Because they're they're game changers for your rotation if you get them. They are top guy, two guy in your rotation. Like, if the Yankees got him, they at least have Tanaka and Bauer or Stroman. Like, that's at least a decent one-two punch to throw out there. Just, I just, it scratched my head. I just, I didn't get it. Those moves were weird to me. But we did end up having some great big moves. The Granky one, I clearly stole the show. Nobody saw it coming. Not one of us. So... Good for Houston. Besides that, in baseball, not too much else is going on, though. 
the fun thing for the Indians is with Puig going over after that brawl, they're going to have a guy suspended, at least for the first part of you know his games. I think he got, uh, let's see, three games. Yeah, Puig got three games. And then the most games handed out was obviously Amir Garrett, who decided I can take on the whole team. I'm not going to get into the are the Pirates a dirty team because I would have to watch the tape, honestly. And who knows? It's hard to say. Have they hit more batters over the past few years by like 40? Yes. Yes, they have. Does that make them seem a little dirtier? Yes. Yes, it does. So you know what? Didn't even have to look at the video evidence. Pirates are dirty players. It's in the name, though, guys. I mean, they're pirates. They're swashbucklers. Kind of have to expect it. All right? I mean, just come on. But, so, Puy can't join the Indians technically, at least for three games, so that's kind of funny. But besides that, not too much else going on in baseball. Besides the Red Sox, terrible pitching. The Yankees, terrible pitching. And everybody else, kind of good. Give you a quick update, at least, for wild card, because if you don't know by now, oh well. You have Cleveland, Oakland, Tampa Bay, and Boston. All within a two and a half game span. The next is the Angels, who are six back, at least in the American League. The National League is still super tight with the Cubs, Cardinals, Nationals, Phillies, Milwaukee, San Francisco, Arizona, and the Mets all within four games of at least one of the spots. So, you know, it is going to be an exciting little end to the season. Who knows what's going to happen? But for now, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to cut to an ad for Twin Spires. All right, so if you need to know where you place horse bets, check out Twin Spires. Here's the ad, though. Ever watch a race like the Kentucky Derby or the Preakness and wonder, where can I place a bet to put on these horses? Look no further than Twin Spires. Twin Spires is your number one place to go for all your horse gambling needs. It's 100% legal everywhere, so you have no issues. If you want to go check out Twin Spires, make sure you head to 12 on Sports Radio. Click on the banner in the lower left corner to get a bonus that you can only get through 12 on Sports Radio. Because Twin Spires will give you what you want, when you want it, for all your horse betting needs. Twin Spires, go check it out. Alright, do you know what time it is? No, like not on the clock. But just, do you know what time it is? That is right, football season is back. It is time for football, and if you didn't watch it, last night was the Hall of Fame game, which is the most boring game of the year. Like, you could try to say it's not, but it is. I get it. It's the first game of football. We're all excited. I mean, I'm excited. You're excited. Even Will Ferrell's excited. Got to talk to him, ask him for a few quick words. This is what he had to say about football season being back, people. I don't know. Will might have been confused. I think he thinks he's an embodiment of football. Who knows? Great little interview while he was doing some UFC type training. I don't really know what he was doing, but appreciate the words at least for football season. And football season's back. People are excited. Nobody could be as excited though as maybe the Broncos head coach. Now I say this for one reason and one reason only because Vic Fangio's first game as head coach of the Broncos was dealt with a little bit of discomfort. Now, if you haven't seen the story, Vic was dealing with the kidney stone. 
And, you know, when I say it might make you think of the Friends episode where Joey gets, you know, kidney stones and the doctor's like, kidney stones. Yeah, that's what he was dealing with. And he was standing on the sideline of a football game without it passing. Just standing there waiting. Could happen any moment. Has to be in some sort of terrible pain. Or he's on some really good pain meds. How he's calling plays for a football game, I have no idea. But that is the type of tough-natured guy John Elway wanted. He wanted the tough-natured guy. And this is tough-natured. I don't think I could stand on the sideline with... I don't even think it... Not even a kidney stone. I don't think I could stand on the sideline if I had like a paper cut. I'd probably be whining about it. Probably like, uh, you know, the wind. It's kind of hurting. Don't think I can stand out there, guys. You know, good luck. It's it's preseason. If it was regular season, I'd tough it out, put a Band-Aid on it. But this guy is standing on the sideline with a kidney stone, coaching his team. That is dedication. That is a true football guy's guy. Like, that is as gritty as it gets. I do, like... I don't even get how much you'd be feeling on the sideline. He spent most of the day in a hospital. Like, he wasn't even at the field. He wasn't getting ready. He just showed up towards game time and was like, yeah, I'm going to coach. Plain and simple, I'm just, I'm going to coach. You guys got a problem with that? Too bad. Now, besides that, you know, we have a barn burner of a game. At halftime, it was 7-7. You know, very exciting. Very interesting. I kind of stopped watching after that because you don't even have, like, starters playing. You don't even have the biggest names out there. You had Locke out there for the Broncos for five passes. I mean, cool. Got to see Drew Locke for a few passes. You didn't get to see any of, you know, Matt Ryan. Best out of the night, though. Matt Schaub, negative two yards. You know what? That was what it was worth it. Watching Schaub back in the Falcons uniform, you know, getting negative two yards. Things just felt right. Things felt back in place. Football is here, people. I am excited. But besides that, besides Vic dealing with kidney stones, besides the Hall of Fame game, let's talk a little bit about other things going on in the NFL. You had the top 100 players announced. The final top 10 were announced. People, you know, wanted to debate and listen you can't debate much there's only minor things you can go after and i get it number one though you cannot debate the number one player on this list and it was aaron donald reigning defensive player of the year beast of a man at a defensive tackle position where you know it says you should be 300 plus pounds behemoth of a guy that can just clog the middle and that's it. You think defensive tackle. You think Namdekun Sue. I just really butchered that. Fletcher Cox. Like, you picture these big, massive men. And Aaron Donald is a big guy. But he's not big like them. He is muscular. He is fit. He is, like, I don't really know how to describe the body type because he is a big guy. But he's not at the same time. And man, is he good. Like, Khalil Mack was number three. You can make the argument he could be number one, but no. Donald is the clear cut above defensive player in the NFL. He deserves every penny of his contract and more. Like, you can make an argument that he's not paid enough. 
because he is that much of a disruptor in the center of a line, taking away run games, rushing the passer. Like, the guy is just a freak. He should not be getting 20 sacks a season as a defensive tackle, and that's what, I mean, that's what he's at. Like, that's what he does. Now, the big controversy came at number two, Drew Brees. Drew Brees is a great guy. Fantastic player. Has been for a while. Super Bowl champ. MVP. Uh, actually, I don't know. Drew Brees ever win the MVP? Some in-live show fact-checking. So while I check that, I'll talk about why him being number two is a little suspicious. You have him at number two. You had Mahomes, I believe, at four or five. And the argument is, how do you have a guy who didn't win NFL MVP this past year higher than the guy who did win, the younger guy, the guy that you expect to keep improving? I I can't tell you, honestly. I have no idea how. It makes zero sense at all. And looking at it, no, Breeze has never won MVP. He's won Offensive Player of the Year. But he's never won MVP. Probably because Tom Brady and Peyton Manning were in the league, and now Patrick Mahomes. So these are the arguments. The other argument you can make is DeAndre Hopkins not being higher than Julio Jones or Antonio Brown. Come on. He is a 99 in Madden, so therefore, you automatically know. Like, you just know he is better than the other two. Because guess what? They're not 99s in Madden. Like, I get it. It's the players giving these votes. They're the ones making all the decisions. They're the ones the numbers add up. But come on. DeAndre Hopkins has done more as a wide receiver in this league with less quarterback capability than anybody else. Julio Jones has had Matt Ryan. Antonio Brown has had Ben Roethlisberger. We'll see how he does with Derek Carr. So you have these guys playing with Hall of Fame-level quarterbacks. Because, yes, despite what you think, Matt Ryan is at least up there. Like, he will be able to make an argument when he retires. So Julio Jones has had that, and he's had consistency. You want to know who DeAndre Hopkins had throwing to him? He's had Schaub. He's had Osweiler. He's had Watson, who's pretty good. He's definitely the best out of all the ones he's had there. He's had Josh Weed. Like, he has had Brian Hoyer. So many, so many not great quarterbacks throwing him the ball. And all he does is make catches, make plays, and does it all. And he doesn't beat out Julio Jones or Antonio Brown. Makes zero sense. Zero. None. No sense at all. The biggest sense-making move on this list, which some people kind of questioned, was Tom Brady was number six. So some people were like, hey, he won six rings. He's number six. Like, no, shut up. That's not why. He's number six because as great as Brady is, he is getting older. There are players that are better than him in the league. Yes, I know they won a Super Bowl. The past years, he's been number one. He finally had to drop. He had to drop. Like, there's no way you can look at him and go, Mahomes isn't better than him now. Career-wise, we, obviously, Brady wins. Brady wins out over everybody, career-wise. But current playing status, current ability, Mahomes is better. Breeze is better. So it's just interesting. I mean, obviously, big deals are made out of this. Um, the biggest deal made out of this easily, by far, and it's going to lead us into this week's 
really skip is Skip Bayless's take on the top 100. So before we get to that lovely, not rage-inducing take at all, because, you know, deep breath, everybody, before we get into this. All right. Hit the music. Okay, so I am coming in hot on this because skip. Oh my, skip. Really skip. Now I know we're talking about the top 100. We're talking about, you know, who should be in it, who shouldn't be. I just said how Hopkins should be out over Julio and A.B. Are they not top 10 guys? Are they not top 15 players, though? They are. How many Dallas Cowboys do you think made the top 100 list? Just throw out a number. Quickly right now, out loud. Did you say more than one? Because you'd be correct. Did you say more than two? Correct. Three, four, five, six, seven. Correct. Eight. Eight Cowboys made the top 100 list. Somehow, that wasn't enough to suffice Skip and his Cowboy obsession. Because one of those eight was not Dak Prescott. Now I get it. He's a quarterback. He's done pretty well so far since he's been in the league. But he's not a top 100 player. He's not a top 10 quarterback. He's not a top 15 quarterback. I feel like I can name 15 quarterbacks I'd rather take over Dak Prescott. Don't ask me to do it right now. I need to get a name list all in front of me. But if you had to put me on the spot, at least right now, I could say Mahomes, Brady, Breeze, Rodgers, Ben, Wentz. Like, that's at least six. Rivers. I have Russell Wilson. Andrew Luck. I'm going to go Nick Foles. Say what you want. Going Nick Foles. Deshaun Watson, I think, is a better quarterback. Baker Mayfield. Like, that's at least around 10. So I'm making my point. Anyway, to the tweet that caught my attention because there was a lot of them, such as I certainly respect Aaron Donald number one in the NFL's top 100, but there is no way he's more valuable than any of the top quarterbacks. Did Donald take over the playoff game versus Cowboys, the Super Bowl? Sorry, no. Like, stop it, Skip. Come on. Where were your Cowboys? Were they in the Super Bowl? No. So stop. We get it. Quarterbacks are important, but this is players making these decisions, watching guys on the field, knowing who they have to prepare for every single week. Who's the guy that when they walk in on Monday after the weekend, after their game, preparing for their next opponent, do they have to look at and go, him, he's who we need to watch. He's who we have to figure out how to neutralize. Aaron Donald's always going to be one of those guys. You know who's not? Dak Prescott. Maybe in a year or two, he'll be on this list. But for right now, he's not. Eight of your Cowboys are. But here's the tweet. Here's the thing that set me off. Because honestly, come on. Really, Skip? This is what he said. Insanely, Dak Prescott didn't even make the NFL's top 100. I take him right now over three in the top 10. Who, you might be wondering who. Oh, I'll tell you who, people. Julio, A.B., and Todd Gurley. As a QB who led the playoffs in QBR, Dak can obviously impact outcomes more than those three. Dak, NFL's most underrated, underappreciated player. 
Really, Skip? You're saying he is the best playoff QBR? Maybe because he played one game. Like, of course, if he had a decent game compared to guys who played all the games in the postseason, maybe two or three games, he's going to have a high QBR. So just if it was also the highest, why weren't they in the Super Bowl, Skip? Think about that. But you're telling me right now, if you had the choice between having one of these guys on your team, you're going with Dak. You're taking Dak over having a Julio on your team. You're taking Dak over having AB on your team. I get the whole girly thing because you have Zeke. Oh, wait. No, you don't. He's holding out in Cabo. So don't give me any of that. Dak, Dak is not bad. Dak has his moments. Dak can run. He can make play with his feet. Sure. But Dak is not an offensive quarterback who's going to be able to take my team and put 30-plus points up on the board week in and week out. That's the type of quarterback you need. That's the type of quarterback the Cowboys definitely need if Zeke holds out. That's not the quarterback the Cowboys have. I know it. You know it. And everybody that voted for the top 100 knows it. Hence why he's not in it. You have eight guys that are. Eight. That is plenty to know that people think highly of the Cowboys. They just don't think highly of Dak. He's not underappreciated. He's not undervalued or underrated. He's just not as talented as the rest of the guys on this list. It is not hard to understand. It is not hard to see why. Have another season. Get around 4,000 yards passing. He will be on the list next year. But for right now, he doesn't deserve to be on it. And you're crazy for saying you would take him over any of those other three guys that you listed. And by the way, Aaron Donald definitely deserves to be number one, as I said. So go keep throwing out your crazy talk. It's fine, Skip. But this has been another week of really, Skip, because come on. Really, Skip. I'm sorry, I had to just get that out of my system because sometimes they're bad tweets. Sometimes he just takes it a little too far, people. This is one of those times. But besides that, that's, you know, we're done with that. Top 100, we're done with. We just want to talk about the few guys that were at the top. Let's get into a few of the other major things going on in the NFL. And really, it all comes down to holdouts. Now, there are some big holdouts going on right now. And they happen to be at the running back position with Zeke and Melvin Gordon. The only other holdout was Michael Thomas, for big names at least. And he got paid. He got his $100 million deal this week. And, you know, can't guard Mike. Plain and simple. He stands by his Twitter game. He stands by his Twitter name. And, I mean, the guy just got bank. He got his bags. He's good. He's going to be in New Orleans with Drew for at least a few more years. And he'll get his stats and all that. And he'll be good. And the deal will come out looking like it was a wonderful deal for both sides. The interesting thing with the Zeke and Melvin Gordon thing is running backs are needed, but they're not valued like every other position. 
you need elite wide receivers. They're going to be around for 10 plus years. Running backs, six or seven years is usually the lifespan nowadays, especially because they get a bunch of carries on the rookie deals, especially if it's a four to five, if they have the fifth year option, teams are just going to pound those guys and then draft another guy and repeat the process. Now, yes, you're going to have special players. Zeke is definitely one of them. Melvin Gordon, you know, he's up there. He's a good player. He's a good running back. But he's not at that elite level. Like, Adrian Peterson's an ageless wonder. He's not that. Like, he's a maybe eight, nine-year guy. He's not. He's going to be like a LaShawn McCoy type guy. Like, he'll hang around. He'll be a lead back for a good amount of time in his career. And then, you know, as he gets towards the end, it might become a, you know, 50-50 split. But for right now, one of these guys needs to get paid. One of them is vital to their team's success. And that is Zeke. As much as I hate to say it, if the Cowboys have Zeke, the Cowboys are competitive. Jerry Jones came out saying, we don't need a rushing champ to win a Super Bowl. Jerry, yeah, you do. Especially when you have built a team offensively around your running game. Alfred Morris, no offense, is not going to be a guy who can take you to the promised land. You feed Zeke, that's the whole point. That's how you win your Super Bowl. You need your running game to win it. Plain and simple. So you got to pay the man. Restructure the contract. Guaranteed money. I know you're worried about Dak's contract coming up. Guess what? Guaranteed money. You have a bunch of it. Use it. You can do it so your cap won't be that bad. But right now, Zeke's in Cabo. Whether he's going to show up or not, who knows? My guess is he will at some point. But my guess is he's showing up only if it's in good faith that he's going to get a new deal for a good amount of money. Because he gets it. He's in his fourth year. He's got another year at least under contract. He wants to make sure he is guaranteed because this is maybe his one and only chance to get paid. He might get one more opportunity if he stays healthy. But he knows taking another year of hits, going into another year after that, is risky. So we'll see what happens. But at least of these two, you need to you need to get Zeke his money. Melvin Gordon getting offered $10 million apparently by the Chargers and turning it down has now had his agent request a trade. Not a smart move. No team is going to trade for you if they think you want a $10 million contract as a running back with a history of injuries. Take the $10 million from the Chargers. Take it for four or five years, $40, $50 million. If 30 of that's guaranteed, you take it and you run. So it makes zero sense. That's all I'm going to say about that. That's all I have to say about the Gordon situation because if he's not taking $10 million, he's not a Le'Veon Bell. He's not a David Johnson. He's not a Zeke. He's not a Todd Gurley. He's none of those. He's more like a Freeman from Atlanta. Get that type of deal, you're good. That's it. Get that deal and just show up. So I'll be interested to see how it plays out, but can't see it ending well for Gordon. He's either going to have to you know, take his money for this season and play it out. Or he's just going to have to enjoy an early retirement. His call. But before, after that, not much else in the NFL. The Jets did get Ryan Khalil out of his somewhat retirement to be their center. So, you know, Aaron Donald, not Aaron Donald, Josh Donald has some coverage now. 
So good for him. That'll be good. Protect the young quarterback with a Pro Bowl center who basically got 10 minutes of retirement. But outside of that, no other major news, at least for the NFL this week. A lot of vets are not going to be playing in preseason games. Smart move. And then before we wrap everything up and touch on one more topic, which, yes, it's been talked to death this week, but for NBA, how can I not talk about LeBron James in a layup line? I got it. I just, I just have to. It's, it's, it's a thing everybody's doing. It's fun. Trust me. But besides that, one more ad. If you want cheap tickets, go to 12 on Sports Radio and check out how. Did you know a recent NBA basketball ticket on 12 Ounce Sports Radio was only $5? That's right. You can buy event tickets on 12 Ounce Sports Radio for extremely low prices. Go to www.12OunceSportsRadio.com and click the event tickets page on the menu and browse. You won't believe how easy and inexpensive it is to attend your next event. So be sure to go to www.12OunceSportsRadio.com and click the event tickets page on our site. All right, don't worry. We're going to get into some NBA talk. And literally when I say that, we're just going to talk about LeBron James. Going to Suns layup line with Bronny and his teammates and all that. Dunking. Watching a kid do an alley-oop. Running onto the court. Losing a shoe. Going crazy. Because everybody else is doing it. All the cool kids are doing it. I got to do it too. That's just how it is. And don't worry. It's only going to be a few minutes. Because I gotta wrap up the show pretty soon, everybody. But here it is. My stance on the whole LeBron dunk line situation. I got no problem with it. And I'm gonna tell you why. Why would I care? Why should you care? One, LeBron is at his kid's basketball game. Good dad, good parent. Showing up to the kid's game when he can. Not every kid has their parents be able to show up. Some kids' parents are working. Some kids' parents just don't care. He cares. He's there for his kid. That's one. He's not there for any other reason outside of his son and his son's team. Even games his son doesn't play, if his son is there, he's going to be there to support his other teammates because he's been like a team dad, essentially. The coolest team dad ever, but he's a team dad. And guess what? He did a a layup line and dunked and all of that. You know how cool that would be? All the people that are saying, not cool, disrespectful, taking the shine away from his kids, putting pressure on his own son, all these things, stop it. If you were a kid, if you were any somewhat of a basketball fan and could get past the whole LeBron, who he is, what he's done in his past, the decision, your disdain for him with all these different things that he's done, you would be in awe sitting there and think it's the coolest thing in the world. You'd be putting it on your Instagram story. You'd be tweeting it out. You'd be like, hey, check it out. I'm dunking with LeBron because you're there. Like, you would find it so cool. So all these people that are like, it's weird, it's creepy, I get it to an extent. I understand your argument because it does look weird. It does look like he's trying to take the shine away from his kids. But guess what? If this was in a local school gym... And no cameras were around, nothing would have happened. It's the fact that he is LeBron James. There is always a camera on him. There is always somebody trying to make a story out of something involving him. Just seriously, watch Undisputed. Watch First Take. Watch all those shows. Somehow, 
even if LeBron went silent for three months in the middle of the offseason, they'd somehow every day find out something to talk about. They'd be like, LeBron, LeBron say anything yet? What do you think a silence means? I think it means J.R. Smith is going to the Lakers. Like, they would make it something out of nothing. So the layup line, who cares? I do think if I had to nitpick anything, the running onto the court and losing a shoe after the alley-oop, a little weird. Now I get it. It's AAU basketball. There are different rules when it comes to AAU. Like, for some reason, the rules do not apply like they would in like a high school game or anything like that. People go nuts at those games way more. But I think it's more so the fact of him running out to half court, essentially losing a shoe and going like nutso. That is a little odd. Like, I got no problem with it. The refs don't care. The kids don't care. Whatever. Like, if I did that, people would think I'm a nutball. But again, I am not a six foot nine, 250 pound, like 70 pound freak of nature athlete who has won multiple championships, considered one of the greatest players of all time, if not one of the, not one A or B option of greatest player of all time. So I would look like a loony bin. He can get away with it because he is a superstar celebrity. He didn't do any harm. He didn't do anything wrong outside of being an overly excited parent, father, watching, participant. So, like, who cares? Let it go. It's beating a dead horse for people. There are people that have talked about this for four to five days straight on their shows. I'm doing it once, and it's going to take me, like, five minutes. I'm wrapping it up pretty soon. Like, it just, let it go, people. It makes no sense to get frustrated or annoyed or really go after him. He's a dad that cares. He's a dad that shows up. He's a dad that's making other kids' days. Like, he's not putting pressure on his kid by getting in the dunk line. His kid's probably like, yeah, my dad can do a windmill dunk. What can your dad do, Gary? And Gary's like, you can play Fortnite, like, decent. Like, no. That's not what, that's, nobody cares that Gary's dad can play Fortnite. Decent. If my dad could do windmill dunks, I'd be like, hey, guys, you want to come over? Watch my dad do windmill dunks. Hey, dad, can you get us box seats for the game? Hey, dad. Can you get us to meet Kyle Kuzma? Like, who cares? These kids are loving it. They literally asked one of the parents. There was a parent on TMZ or something that said, LeBron came up to his kid after the game and made a comment of like, I hope I'm still in the league when you're in the league. And it made his kid cry because of how awesome it was. Like, that's cool. Even if he didn't mean it, even if he just said it to make the kid like feel better, maybe the kid wasn't that great. And LeBron was like, you know what? I'm going to lift this kid's spirit up. That's still awesome. Like, good for him. So, you know, I don't have to tell you, get your panties out of a bunch, get your underwear out of a bunch, whatever is in a bunch, unbunch it. Because it was a cool move by LeBron. Yes, it's a little weird, but, you know, LeBron's a little weird. Think about all the Taco Tuesday tweets and messages and singing. Like, just who cares? Let it go. That was NBA talk, though, because... The NBA offseason is officially dead, and we don't need to get into how Jeremy Lin has made $65 million and said, everything's really hard right now. I just won like an NBA Finals that I don't feel like I deserved, and nobody wants me to be on their team. Well, that's just the cycle nature of professional sports after you've been in them for nine years. 
younger guys come in, talented guys come in, cheaper, younger bench players come in. That can take your spots. It's life, Jeremy. You got $65 million. I don't have that. So I guess life is unfair to me. No, like, no, I'm not complaining about it. So, but, you know, I don't feel terrible for you, Jeremy. That's just, that's just how it is. It's going to wrap up the show, though. I will tell you that. We're done. Covered everything I want to cover. You know, we'll start talking college football soon. We'll start doing picks for NFL season. Talk a little fantasy. Things are going to get a little different. Things are going to change up a little bit. I'm going to try to get some people to come on, talk NFL, give their picks, you know, maybe have a weekly pick thing. Might even, you know, start putting out a number for people to call in, leave messages to give their stance for the show. You know, who knows? All I can tell you is, you know, I enjoyed my time today. Hopefully you did too. And it's the weekend, which I have to say is... doesn't get better than that you know wraps everything up again if you want to find me on twitter you can go to at sports dance underscore find me on instagram at the sports dance and same on facebook you know check me out don't forget to subscribe on itunes 12 on sports radio soundcloud all that great stuff make sure you check out all the other shows on 12 on sports radio but besides that everybody have a good weekend Hopefully you enjoyed everything I had to say. If not, love to hear your stance on it. But that'll wrap it up. I'm Greg, and this has been my stance on sports. The Sports Sports Dance.